Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer, TNA Hall of Famer, and the greatest tag team wrestler of all time. The one and only Bully Ray and I talk to... AEW Dynamite's Chris Jericho. Of course, we talk AEW Dynamite, but we also talk about what everybody's talking about, and that's the Broken Skull Sessions with him and Stone Cold Steve Austin on Peacock from this past WrestleMania weekend. We talk about that, and of course, the end of the Wednesday Night Wars, and also the positives coming out of the Wednesday Night Wars now that NXT will be on Tuesdays and AEW on Wednesdays right now on the Busted Open Podcast. What about the feedback from Broken Skull Sessions? Did you enjoy this week? Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, I think the whole concept of it was so unbelievable in a lot of ways. And and I really enjoyed kind of hearing everybody's thoughts and opinions, including, including you guys, because nobody really knew what to expect. Um, it did come just completely out of left field and, and the opening line of the show, if you've seen it, as I said, I, I can't believe that there's not snipers on the roofs here to take me out. I can't believe I'm actually on the show. Um, but yeah, what a kind of monumental groundbreaking moment that was for sure. And you talked about your relationship with Vince McMahon. And obviously, I'm so glad that you were able to talk about AEW because it's big. I mean, obviously, AEW is huge right now and now standalone on Wednesdays. And let's jump into that. Uh, did you well, think first that of all, this- though, Dave, just, first of all, I, I wouldn't have done the show if, I, if, if it wasn't to talk about my whole career, including mm-hmm. AEW. There would be no benefits for me to do the show just to go on and talk about old things that I had done in WWE. So that's some of the, and, and Steve wouldn't have had me on either. So we were both were very adamant that if we're going to do this, let's do it right. And that's one of the things that, that I really enjoyed where people were so surprised. Like you have to know how I do things at this point in time. And I wouldn't do anything uh, that wasn't exactly the way that I wanted it. And it turned out just perfectly. So having said that, continue what you were going to say, Dave. But well, I was let me gonna, ask you oh, this: Were you can before he goes? I'll piggyback off that. Were you concerned about a, a final edit? Were you concerned that if you and Steve maybe spoke too much about AEW or spoke about things that the WWE would not have appro- uh, approved of, that they would have edited it? Did you guys have any guarantees going into the uh, going into the chat? 
Well, I mean, you know, I think you know the answer to that. I mean, we, we, we both kind of were very adamant about how we wanted the show to be done. But if a certain, you know, 73-year-old wakes up one day and goes, what? I never said that. The whole thing could be changed, wiped off the face of the earth or whatever. But I also think there was a lot of trust both from Vince and from Tony Khan towards both Steve and and myself, knowing that we wouldn't go that way. Um, there was no reason to kind of talk about things that are going to bury either side. It was a very positive interview, as you guys saw. So there was a lot of trust, I think, afforded to us. And I think the moment that Vince said, do it, he knew what we'd be talking about. Um, and Tony even said it too. He had he trusted Steve and I to, to kind of take care of both parties, and we did that. So if it was anybody else, I don't know if we'd be afforded the same trust, and there might have been a little bit more snaky, snaky. But I had Steve's word and Steve had my word that we were going to do our best to have a great show. And there was no reason to kind of tear anybody down or talk any bad things. And I think that's one of the reasons why it pretty much aired exactly as we spoke. I mean, the thing was over two hours long. I don't think there's really much that was edited out a couple lines here and there, but probably only 10 minutes out of the, you know, two hours plus that we talked about was edited out. And that was just more for time purposes. And, and, you know, if you're going to talk about your career, which you did, and that's what Stone Cold does on Broken Skull Sessions. He has his guests and they talk about his entire career. I was just going to say is that you can't do that without talking about the last four years because I really do feel, Chris, these last four years have been the best four years of your career. I came up and, and, I, and Tommy and Bully joke with me about I love lists. I love putting together lists. And I came <laughs> up with my top 10 Chris Jericho matches. And – Five of those top 10 matches are from the last four years. So it would have been impossible to talk about your career and not mention the last year with WWE, New Japan, and of course, your run now in AEW. Well, of course, and there was higher ups there that said, if we don't talk about stuff, people will, you know, will, will, will shit all over this podcast. So uh, once again, I, I think that the whole concept of it was so outrageous, but the parties wouldn't have agreed to it if that wasn't part of the discussion. Cause that is, that is Chris Jericho's entire career and the stuff that I've done in the last four years has been some of my best stuff in a lot of ways. So I just think that the whole, it was really fun to go back and watch it and see some of those things and also realize like, man, I could do a part two easy because even though we spoke about so much and covered so much, it's only the tip of the iceberg. So, you know, there's a lot of chemistry and camaraderie there. Steve and I are, are great friends. You can see that Steve's a very good interviewer. I think I have a lot of fun stories to tell. And I was really happy with 30 years of stuff encapsulated into two years, but we did discuss pretty much everything for as much as you can discuss in, in this two hour time frame. When Steve normally speaks with uh, the guys and the gals about their career, he normally likes to start at the beginning. You guys started at the end in talking about AEW first. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a brilliant move on a yeah. lot of different levels. But was there a method to the madness? Did you know you would speak about AEW first, knowing that if you talk about AEW first, there's really no way to cut out anything because you're coming right out of the open right into AEW talk. So was that a calculated chess move? Yeah, it was. And once again, we, we weren't worried about edits and kind of, be, you know, I'm going to say that, that Steve and I had final cut, but, you know, 
bully how it works there. I mean, one guy is final cut, but to, to Vince's credit, he he was completely hands off as far as I know. And, and basically nobody knew we were laughing the other day about how triple H found out about this on the conference called NXT, which I'm sure he loved, but that's kind of how close to the vest it was. And we thought it was both Steve and I's idea to start with AEW because there was so much uh, questions of, will they talk about when we just said, let's just get to it right away. And everybody, I think, will be really hooked. Like, holy smokes, they're really talking about AEW and not just in passing. I mean, I think there's probably a total of 15, 15 to 18 minutes of AEW talk in there. So we thought if we attack it right away and then go back to it at the end, people will really be paying attention because the question will be answered right out of the gate, which I think will blow people's minds and really um, hook them and get them involved right away. And if there was a, a WWE fan that had never watched AEW before, I think they would watch it now based on that Broken Skull session, especially the way you talked about the younger talent, especially the way you talked about Orange Cassidy. I would hope that some curious viewers will now watch that show on Wednesday nights. Well, I think just talking about the whole concept, there's a lot of talk about Kenny because of uh, Kenny Omega because of Japan. And we mentioned Orange and the Bucks and Cody and MJF. And I think once again, I wouldn't have done it you know, I'm a company man. I work for AEW. I work for Tony Khan. I wouldn't have done the show unless I feel that there could be some benefits for our company as well. Obviously, in Vince's head, it was a great idea because of the Peacock subscriptions and all that sort of thing. For us, it's a great idea too because when does it air? April 11th. What's on April 14th? The very first unopposed dynamite, official unopposed dynamite ever. So I think both companies got the benefit of it, which once again is another reason why I think that both Tony and Vince and myself thought it was such a great idea to do. Uh, I'd like to bring you back to one of the stories you told uh, in your chat with Steve. You were talking about a night that you showed up to Raw and you and Vince had agreed on some creative uh, that I believe that you were doing with, with, with Kevin. And then on that particular Monday Night Raw, Vince was not there. And there were other powers that be who were in charge. Can you take us a little bit deeper into the fight or the struggle that you went through during that day to make sure your idea and your vision got played out on TV? Yeah, it was for the Festival of Friendship, which in my opinion is still one of the best modern day Raw moments. And it's something that I came up with probably three, four months prior. So that happens to me sometimes. I'll think of stuff like like the, the MJF kind of triple swerve for the forming of the pinnacle that came into my head months and months and months ago. So when you're connecting the dots of a story, the lines to get from dot to dot might change and move, but the, the dots are the same. The, 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 the points are the same where we know we're going to hit this. We're going to hit that. And festival of friendship will be kind of the big turn. And in my head, I wanted it to start as a David Lee Roth over the top video, like I said, and end, uh, Game of Thrones, Red Wedding, which is one of the ultimate swerves of all time, if you guys are fans or whatever. Um, and then suddenly when I got there on that day, Vince wasn't there. And sometimes what happens when when the principal's gone, you know, the teachers try and take over. And, and that was this was one time I wasn't uh, negotiating because we'd already discussed it. Vince knew what we were going to do. I mean, look at all the stuff we had there. I mean, it wasn't like it was a last minute thing, all the props that we had and you know, everything. So 
um, when when I was told that that wasn't going to happen because it's too comedy to have the list of KO that's too funny. I said, it's not funny. It's how you deliver it. And this is going to be delivered completely straight. And I explained on the show about the moment of seeing the killer before he kills you. Like, don't do it. And that was all going to be taken away. All those nuances were be go- will be gone. It was just a straight on turn. I said, you're taking out the heart of this. You're taking out the storytelling of it. And don't forget, it was Kevin and Jericho, who I think at the time had been going six to eight months as a team. You don't just drop a 16 ton weight on your head like a Monty Python sketch. It has to be some sort of nuances there. And I wasn't negotiating that. Um, and so that's when I, I called, I was going to call Vince. He was on his plane. Well, he's got Wi-Fi on his plane. So I text him and it was literally five minutes of like, yeah, we're doing it the way that we discussed. What's the problem? There's no problem, Vince. And I just showed that to, to the guys that were trying to change minds. And, and of course, when Vince speaks, there's no more debate. So I kind of went around the back door to, to, to basically go over everybody's head, which is what I always do there. And like I said, to the guy's credit, after the show was done, they came back and told me you, you were definitely right and, and you made the right move. So, But these guys that came to you and said, no, we're not doing the Festival of Friendship, did they have an alternative idea for you or were they just adamant about saying no because they wanted to say no to you? I think you're, I think it's probably half and half. The festival was still going to happen, but the reveal, the list of KO and that great moment of turn of like, I, I still think it's one of the iconic lines of why is my name on this? And then seeing the list of KO. I mean, that's great storytelling and it still kind of gives me some chills thinking about it, you know? So um, they, the, the festival is still going to happen. That part was completely different. And probably it was because, well, Vince isn't here, you know, we're just going to tell him what to do. And at that point in time, they should have known that nobody tells me what to do, uh, especially when I know that this is the right idea. Um, You know, like I said, Vince would have changed his mind. I would have, fought with him on it too. I knew it was right. I was right. Nine, 10 out of 10, nine times out of 10, I was right. And that was one of the examples of that. God, it's, it sounds like a lot of headaches. I mean, how can you be creative in an atmosphere where there's so many headaches? <laughs> you have no idea, Dave. And that's one of those things. That's one of the things I love about AEW is those headaches don't exist. And just thinking about working with WWE, it's a great place. It's a great time, but there is a lot of mental pressure that goes on you and you are fighting a war every time you're there because you have to go wait to talk to Vince if something needs to be changed. And sometimes he's busy where you, where you will sit outside of that office. I don't care who you are for an hour or two hours. And so that's one of the things that I really enjoy about AEW is that kind of mental stress is gone. We, we really do work together a lot better. Um, like I said, it's two different systems and WB is huge and they're billionaire TV company for a reason. Um, but there's also a reason why I really enjoy working with AEW even more than, than WWE at this point in time. And that's one of the reasons. Um, I've talked about on the show, um, obviously, you work in WWE. I've worked there, how things can be um, micromanaged, put under a microscope entirely too much. Sometimes in AEW, it could seem extremely too loosey-goosey. Um, do you feel that? Or do you, or, or do you, f- you talked about possibly being a locker room leader. Do you get involved in other people's stories or matches and try to tighten the screws for them, so to speak, so they can put on a better performance? If I'm asked, I do, but I'm pretty much in charge of, of, of my storyline um, as far as keeping that going and, and, and trying to just 
get the maximum out of what I'm doing with whoever I'm working with. You know, if you think about MGF and Jericho and the inner circle of pinnacle, we, we started this in September and there's still a long way to go with that. So all of that was kind of in my mind and then working with, with MJF quite a bit, worked with Tony Khan and figure out how to kind of extend the story and keep it exciting and keep it moving. So that's a full-time job as it is. If I was ever asked, I would more than be happy. And there is times when I'm asked, but if I'm not asked, then I got too much to worry about on my own and keeping everything kind of spinning, all the plates spinning. Cause now I've got 11 guys to worry about with the six guys in the pinnacle and the five guys in the inner circle. And then, you know, you throw Mike Tyson into the mix, which was kind of a last minute thing. Uh, so anything that we're intersecting with, I have to kind of keep an eye on it and keep, keep control of it as much as I possibly can. Um, so to work on other people's stories, I could do it if, 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 if they asked me to, but if they don't, I've got more than enough to, to do on my own. Well, you just mentioned Mike Tyson. So we saw Tyson last week, and you guys kind of, you know, mended the fence, so to speak. And I I was just really hoping Tyson was going to throw a knockout punch at MJF just to wire that draw shut for six minutes. But, (laughs) I mean, I'm sure we're going to see Tyson uh, for uh, tomorrow night on AEW Dynamite as well. So I'm very interested to see where Tyson's going to go here because I got to be honest, man, he looks in phenomenal shape right now. Probably the the best he's looked in years. It is. And, and the thing with Mike is he is the, the special ringside enforcer tomorrow night for, for Jericho versus, versus Dax Harwood. And I love working with Mike. I've been working with him for, for 10 years, probably half a dozen times at this point. You never know what you're going to get with Mike. And I said to him last week, Mike, you're the best at being Mike Tyson. So just be Mike Tyson. And what that means is there's no really planning with Mike. He, he just kind of does what he wants um, which is why we love having him. And uh, actually, Bully, you had a great idea that you threw out last week about my, Mike and MJF. It's hard to really do those types of things with Mike because he, especially on a live show, because he does what he wants. He goes all over the place. And I know this, you know, like last week, Mike was going to come down to make the save. It's like, well, so Mike will run in and he'll pep. I'm like, no, 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 no. Mike is not running in. He'll never run in because he's never run in a ring in his life. He's a boxer. He walks to the ring with swagger. And when he gets to the ring, maybe he'll throw a punch. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll stand there. Maybe he'll run and knock you all up. We, I don't know. So we kind of were planning on expecting the unexpected because that's what you get with Mike. Like the last time when, when we had the big brawl with the inner circle, if you guys remember, I had no idea Mike was going to walk out with an entourage. Neither did anybody else. I'm waiting for Mike Tyson to walk out and suddenly there's like another guy and another guy and another son. There's like six or seven guys out there. I'm like, who, who are these guys? Like what, what this is live TV. These, so Mike is great because you never know what's going to happen, but you also know that when he's feeling it, he respects wrestling so much and he's such a great asset that it's going to be a great night tomorrow night. And uh, the idea is I'm sure he's going to knock somebody out tomorrow night and maybe it'll be MGF. Who knows? Please. So are, are you are you saying that even though you'd like to put him in positions to really succeed, e- even above and beyond him just being Mike Tyson, there's no way that that's going to happen? Because even if you told him where to stand and what to do, it would never happen anyway. I'm not saying that it can never happen. I'm just saying Mike is Mike. So he's not trained like we are. And that's one of the reasons why he's always great on the show, because 
afterwards you you watch him like this is hilarious like he's he's so great but you have to have kind of the x factor and that's why i think i always it's always good to have me in the ring with him because i've been working with this since 2010 when he knocked me out on, on monday night raw so yes i mean mike's a professional mike's been in the movies and you know in the hangover I'm sure there was probably five, six, seven takes to get Mike to do it. When you're on live TV, there's one take. So you have to keep that in mind. And I think we think like wrestlers and wrestlers, like Mike is Mike Tyson. And there's, there's a reason why he's the greatest boxer of all time. And there's a reason why people still love seeing him right now, because there's that, mo there's that, that, that unpredictability about Mike where you never know which way he's going to go, what he's going to do, what he's going to say. And that's why we love seeing him. That's also why you have to keep that in mind <laughs> to always think of, okay, here's some ideas, Mike. If you do this, it'll be great. And if you decide to come to the ring with eight guys, then we'll figure that out too. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, man. <laughs> hey, Chris, the Wednesday night wars are over. Obviously, Billy yes. and I talked a lot about it here on the show. Fans made a big deal about it. Like, what's the feel about it in the locker room? Is there that feel of victory? Hey, you took a WWE product and made them switch nights? Is there a feel of that within AEW? You know, I don't think that there's... Like we didn't, you know, pop a little bit of the bubbly and uh, have a celebration backstage and have cake and whatever. But I mean, this war was decided months ago. And once again, this is not a war that we asked for or a war that we created. It's just WWE doing what they do. And they lost and they lost, you know, handily. They, they got beaten bad. And yes, it's good that, that, that they have, you know, um, they, they had to move because of the NHL and all these other ideas, but it's just good for them to move anyways. They'll do better not worrying about what our ratings are and we'll probably do better not having them, but it's not like we ever really worried about it. We never had NXT on during the show. We never knew what segments were going up against next, what segments are going up against which or what was going on. We just did our show. And I know how WWE is and I know how, how I'm sure the guys there were, I'm sure they had our show running on one of their, you know, TV screens um, while we were doing it. We never had that because we have enough to worry about on our own. Now, is it great that we beat NXT? Absolutely. But it's better. The best part is just having the night to ourselves. We don't have to worry. And whether it's an extra, I don't know, hundred thousand, 200,000, whether it's all 500,000 people or whatever they were drawing that comes on our show to watch ours. That's great. If nobody shows up, that's great too, because we can just continue to do what we've been doing, which is just put on the best possible show we can. And we don't care what's on. If it's NXT or if there's politics going on, or if it's the Grammys or whatever the hell it is, we can't change that. All we can change and work on is our own show and putting on the best program that we can put on to draw more fans uh, and, and increase our name value and our brand as much as we possibly can. One of the things that I talk about on the show a lot is the great veteran minds that are in AEW. Yourself, a Dustin Rhodes, an Arn Anderson, a Billy Gunn, guys that have been there, done that, and made it, and obviously all of the the great homegrown up-and-coming talent. How is the relationship in the AEW locker room with the veterans and the younger talent? And do you see with your own eyes or hear that the younger talent is trying to take advantage of all that knowledge, that wealth of knowledge that they have right at their fingertips? 
I mean, absolutely. You know, I, I can only speak from my experience, but I mentioned it on, on Austin's show. Like there's a lineup outside of my door sometimes kind of like, you know, I feel like Vince or Tony Khan where everybody wants to come and ask questions. And that's, that's great. Like I have time for everybody that wants to come talk to me. And I feel almost like, you know, the bartender sometimes who has to, you know, alleviate the problems of everybody that has issues. Um, you know, talk, we talk creative things. We talk about the typical story. I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. What can I do to do better? Cause we have such a big roster, um, and we do have so many shows. I try to always explain like dynamite is huge, but so is dark. So is elevation. I think elevation has drawn a million people for every episode so far. So um, there is a lot of that, but the thing that I love about the veterans on our show is you have guys with more experience than me. Like we mentioned Tully Blanchard or, or Jake Roberts or those type of guys. But then there's guys at my level. Then there's guys like Don Callis and, and Luther that have 30 years. Then, you know, someone like Kenny, he's got 20 years. So there's a lot of veterans at different levels um, and different mindsets. So I think you can kind of go to everybody and get different perspectives, go talk to Dustin and then, and then go talk to, you know, um, whoever else might be there that's been around for a while and kind of pick and choose what you want to use to expand your character and make it better for you. And if you want some old school, uh, advice, you can get that. If you want some advice from guys who are kind of perceived as newer guys like Kenny Omega, but have still been doing it for decades. You can get that as well. So we really do have a real buffet of styles in AEW and a buffet of experience levels in all different countries, which is important as well. It's not a factory for us where everybody kind of works the same and talks the same because they came in through the same system. Our guys have come from around the world which all of that is relevant and you can use all of that to piece it together when you're working on national TV, uh, basically uh, with AEW now worldwide TV, shall I say. And it's great how much buzz too, not just with you, but look at the women's division right now, seeing, you know, what Britt Baker yeah. has been able to do on dynamite and that match she had with Thunder Rosa had everybody talking, not just wrestling yeah. fans, but the entire sports world. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing that I I think, you know, a lot of people are kind of, I don't know, bagging on AEW's women's division. But once again, we've been working on TV for about a year and a half. So th it takes a while for people to start coming out. Like now, uh, Brit's obviously kind of the face of, 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 of the women's division. But then someone like Tay Conti is really starting to come out into her own. Um, I'm a big fan of Nyla Rose. I think she's been doing great. Thunder Rose has been a huge uh a huge benefit for us. And then, you know, Sheeta's still doing great. So you, you can't build the whole world in one day. You build them kind of one character at a time and you can see that momentum. And even when we talked about Mike Tyson or having Shaq come on the show or having Snoop Dogg come on the show, I mean, all of this stuff means something because those are a level household names that in the past would be doing this in WWE but now they're doing it with AEW, which all of that kind of gives us more kind of, I guess you would say legitimacy, if you will, kind of in the mainstream press. And I think it surprised a lot of people, but it hasn't surprised us because we knew what we had and like it or not, we, we are the cool company in, in pro wrestling right now. And I don't think there's any doubt about that, that when you think of, I mean, when I watched WrestleMania this year, it was great, but the, the coolest thing was bad bunnies entrance. I'm like, that's cool. Like that's kind of what we try and do that sort of thing. We did it last week with the inner circle showing up with the cars and kind of a fast and furious type thing. And that's what I was going for because 
people like that shit. And it, it, and it's, it, it doesn't have to be rocket science. It could just be, let's get some really badass looking cars and kind of pull up at the same time and away we go. So we try and do a lot of that stuff because I think that's what makes us kind of stand out from other companies. There's, there's not a lot of, of, of going through, uh, this guy's got to prove it. That guy's got to prove it. This guy's got to prove it. If you have a good idea, then you do it. You produce it because you're the one who has the mind and the idea behind it. And nine times out of 10, it's going to turn out looking pretty damn cool. Once you get to a certain level in the wrestling industry, it's hard to find um, fellow talent that can push you, who make you better, that you can actually work up to. Um, you probably being top of the food chain uh, in the company. Who brings the best out of Chris Jericho these days in AEW? You know, it's just, I think just watching everybody. And like when I see Moxley, where he's at now compared to where he came in or watching kind of the transformation of Kenny and even just seeing kind of the, the young bucks as heels, like, oh, they'll never be heels. But the first thing they did was, you know, change their look and change their attitude and their style. Like, I like all that stuff. That's inspirational to me because nobody's phoning it in. You know, everybody wants it. So if I don't want it as much as everybody else, then how am I supposed to be kind of top of the food chain, like you said, right? And also um, uh, uh, inspires me is doing things like Broken Skull Sessions. Like that was really exciting for me because once again, it's a groundbreaking moment that nobody else has really done. Like Chris Jericho, you know, in WWE again, even though he's working for AW, there's not a lot of guys that can do that. You know, working with Mike Tyson and kind of having him involved and knowing that he he's coming to me to kind of help him get, get to what he wants to do. And we're working together. All that stuff is exciting because, um, it, the AW, if, if AW wasn't around, I'm not sure if I'd be wrestling at this point in time because I'm so creatively stimulated and challenged just by the fact that we have this fairly new company that, you know, every single show has to be great because we have to continue to set the example and build our fan base and build our brand. So we all got to be at, you know, at our top every single week, because if something happens where you're not and, you know, someone who's just turning into AW for the first time sees Chris Jericho with a bad performance, they might not turn it on again. So all of that stuff is inspiring to see uh, how everybody's kind of rallying together to, to become this, this major force in, in wrestling in, in such a very short time. I'm very proud of that. Uh, available for pre-order right now is the complete list of Jericho, the new book, and all your books have been bestsellers, so I can't wait to see this one. It's available for pre-order now. When is it out, and what can we expect from the new book? Well, in a nutshell, like I mentioned on on, on Steve's show, I, I kept a list of every match I ever had over 30 years. I have it all written down on a piece of on, on, pieces of paper kind of like the 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 dead sea scrolls or something and the very first match i ever had october 2nd 1990 i still have the piece of paper that i wrote that down on so that's basically the the, the genesis for the complete list of jericho it's every match i've ever had listed as listed and as documented by me with pictures and top 10 lists and comments from from some of the biggest stars in wrestling about their favorite chris jericho moments and i just really wanted to make this like the definitive record book for a career that you'll probably never see again, meaning that I traveled the world 
um, before I got to the big leagues. And that was kind of one of the reasons why I think I'm still around today. And it's very unique because I remember my first day of wrestling school, I asked Keith Hart, how many matches have you had? And he said, that's a stupid question. Nobody knows that. No one keeps track of that. And then he proceeded to stretch the shit out of me. So um, I always thought as he was stretching me, I would like to know how many matches I've had. And I know, uh, I think we left off, but I think it's 2,722 matches or something along those lines. Um, wow. And I have it all written down. Every match that Bully Ray and I ever had, I can tell you the date, where it was, who was in the match, who won the match, you know, all that sort of stuff. I, I wish I had that luxury of remembering, but I don't remember anything anymore <laughs> thanks to you. Well, that match happened on uh, August 9th, 2002, <laughs> <laughs> Las Vegas. <laughs> But it's just, like I said, it's something that, that I thought was um, a very cool, like if you're a fan of wrestling history from 1990 to 2020, you'll see every match that I ever had and every country I've ever been to and all the documentations and facts. I got Alex Marvez involved, uh, who's such a, a statistician. Yeah. Um, so th it really is a, a very, very cool document of, of a career that, that you might not see again. So Jericho30.com is where you can go if you want to pre-order it. And it's coming out finally June 23rd is, is, is the release date. All right. And then finally, what's what's next for Fozzie with this, you know, with everything that's been going on with COVID and not yeah, being dude. able to tour? I mean, we, what, we, uh, we've had a tour that's been postponed five times. And now September, I think it's going to start. It's going to happen September 2nd. I just saw Sammy Hagar has a bunch of arena dates in September. So it seems like guys are starting to go out at that time. Uh, in the meantime, we, we finished our new record. Um, I'm not sure when that's coming out. It's on Sony because we're on Sony Music. Now, but I think the, the the new single comes out, I believe, June 14th. Um, and we're filming the video for that at the beginning of May. So uh, there will be some new Fozzie coming out very, very soon. Can't wait. Are we going on a cruise in October still? We're going. We're going on a cruise in October. That's what I've been told. So it seems like everything is opening up now and people are starting to get uh, excited to do things with vaccines and herd immunity and um, you know, so it's just an exciting time because we're finally starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, our last pay-per-view, I think we had 1400 people there. I know for blood and guts on May 5th in Jacksonville, we're going to, Tony Khan's going to open up the capacity a little nice. bit more to maybe I think half. Um, and we expect to draw it because it's the first time we've ever seen a match of that type in AEW uh, with the kind of the storyline and the rivalry that we've built so far. So I think we're finally through the worst of things and we can now start getting ready to rock and roll and getting ready to, to come see some great live shows again with some people that are going to be going nuts, I'm sure. Yeah, we got to get Chris on again, Bully, because we haven't talked about the Siren documentary yet. Right, And there's so much with music and everything because we talk so much music on this show. But the problem is, is that every time Chris comes on, there's always <laughs> new things to talk about. So we never get to the things that we really want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. There's always so much to talk about. I got to do a part two, like a part two Broken Skull Sessions and then a part two Buster yes. Open. At this time, it's probably part 27. I've been keeping you guys on the air for about 15 years now at this point. Well, thanks. Appreciate Part that. Thank you very yeah. Much. And thanks, thanks for, coming on, thanks man. for the invite it. for the Jericho cruise too. I have the poster here. It was the greatest vacation. It was the greatest vacation I ever went on was the first ever Jericho cruise. You know, I, funny, I, mean, uh, I had a lot of talent on the cruise. And the only time people ask for refunds is when your name was announced. So I got a hey, business is business, Dave. You got to understand that. That's why I went for the big part of the show this time. Bully Ray's coming. 
Yeah, yeah, right. You know, uh, it, it, the more I work in this quote-unquote wrestling business, the more I find out that you, all you guys are assholes. I, I am now realizing that now more and more. Hey, no, wait, 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 time right out. There. You want to hear Dave the Lebrecht asshole? Gave, you, Dave Lebrecht, go ahead. Dave, look at this, see this box set right there, Halloween box set. There Dave LeGrecht gave me that right there. So there you go. How about the asshole line of the week is when when Austin told Jericho, yeah, I was vo- I was rookie of the year, PWI 500. And Chris said, congratulations. <laughs> what was this to say? Voted rookie of the year, 1989. Well, congratulations. And then you told him his what chants were stupid, and I popped for that, too. <laughs> I hated those things. They, haunted, they still haunt me. People, don't ever chant what at me. Come out and uh, give you a little bit of what for. I'll tell you that right now. All right. We got to pay some bills, Chris. Thank you so much for joining us, as you always do. Don't forget, it's Jericho and Dax Harwood. Mike Tyson, the special enforcer for the match on AEW Dynamite tomorrow night on TNT. Chris, always Who knows what he's going to do, Dave? Who knows what Tyson's going to do? He's He's off his rocker. He's much more. I will say this. Mike Tyson, much more professional bully than that Thunder Rosa that AEW is kind enough to put on TV every once in a while on a Wednesday. Much more professional than Thunder Rosa. Always I'm looking forward to Wednesday to night. It back to him. Always has to go back to LaGreca. Uh, oh, I'm so, what, what, what? I mean, it is my show. I created the fucking thing. I can't Jeez, make Louise. it go back to me every once in a while. Well, this is turning out. into... This is turning into the police and you're Stuart Copeland and Bully Ray is Sting. So get ready to... <laughs> Chris, thanks like so much, told- man. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, guys. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for $15 a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash busted open. That's mintmobile.com slash busted open. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash busted open. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. 
With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to Factormeals.com slash Busted50 and use code Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Busted50 at Factormeals.com slash Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Chris is always great. He was great on the Broken Skull Sessions, as we both know. He's always great when he's on this show. Fun to talk to. Um took us a little deeper into what we had already heard on the uh, broken skull sessions uh and listen when it comes to aew i would i would say that he's he is the backbone of that company right now um he talked about early on early on in aew feeling like he had to put the company on his back um i still believe that he's going to have to do that. And I saw that last week. That promo he cut last week was was probably one of the best ones I've ever seen him cut in AEW. And I think he he really is showing everybody what he talked about in our interview, about having to go out there every single week and bring your A game in the best possible version of you. Uh, I'm excited and happy that we no longer have to watch two shows on the same night. I think it's going to benefit both companies. And I think he he kind of touched on that also. Yeah. And uh, and listen, it is a win. A win's a win. And, you know, it was a war. Like he said that they didn't have to put that show on USA on Wednesdays. They chose to do it. Bully, you said it was a defensive move. And NXT deserves more than just being a defensive move against AEW. And I think, you know, AEW can kind of congratulate themselves by winning that war. That war is now over. And it seems like they were focused on their show. But, hey, like you said, 100,000, 200,000, maybe more. Hell, maybe the whole five or 600,000 that would watch NXT on a weekly basis can move on. It's going to benefit both shows, and hopefully fans will look at both shows different now that they're not on the same night. And I think the timing for AEW could not have come at a better time, because if you take a look at the final rating uh, from last Wednesday night, AEW had slipped below 700,000 viewers. They are now in, they were in territory that we're just not used to seeing them in. And, and we can have the discussion about ratings all day long. When I look at that rating, it is indicative of something. It is a finger on the pulse of people who traditionally sit in front of their TV set. And we can say, well, a lot of people watch this way or that way. Okay, fine. I'm just talking about the old school way that we've been talking about for 25 years. And now I believe both companies are going to have, um, you know, the, the full scope of rest of the wrestling fan base at their fingertips. Now it's up to NXT to tell everybody, hey, come watch us on Tuesday night. And it's up to AEW to say, hey, everybody, come watch us on Wednesday night. Now it's all on each company. Now you'll really be able to sit back and go, this creative team and this talent is getting the job done or they're not getting the job done. Much like Raw, we look at the talent and we know, well, aside from a couple of people on Raw who are just not getting the job done in the ring, for the most part, we know that it's the hand that creative deals them. Yes. 
And we will always put the, 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 the blame on the creative process. We don't really have a problem with the creative process in NXT and AEW, do we? No. We like both creative teams. We like both sets of talent. Now, we're going to come down. It's going to come down to the characters, the stories, the level of excitement. The world is their oyster. Let's see what they can do. Yeah, what's going to resonate with an audience that they're going to want to continue to watch week in and week out. Um, NXT, the only fear I have with NXT is that Monday Night Raw hangover. You know, after a show like I watched last night, I might want to take a break for a day or two after watching a Monday Night Raw. And, like, I got to be honest, like, if I was not a host and I was just a fan, after watching that three-hour show like I did last night, I might say, you know what, I need to take a break. I need to take a little bit of a break. Could you see that being a problem for NXT moving forward? Last week, you talked about how being on Tuesday nights could help NXT because you're coming right out of Monday Night Raw and right out of NXT. Now, today, you're saying it could be a problem because you're suffering from the Raw hangover. I agree with both statements. Listen, I sometimes get a headache from watching Raw. Because I'm, I know I have to sit in front of my television and watch something that is not entertaining me for a majority of the time. I'm sorry, just as a fan, I'm not entertained by it, but I have to sit there and watch it because I know we have to talk about it on the show. And that becomes painful to me at times. Does it become so painful that I'm not even going to want to watch NXT on a Tuesday? There's the chance of it. But I have to keep it in the back of my mind that NXT is my favorite brand across the board. Mm -hmm. Thus, I have to be excited to watch it. That's the best way I could put it. It's very hard for me, Dave, as a guy that's been in this industry for as long as I have and have to deal with so much, whether it's my pro wrestling schools, whether it's watching pro wrestling, whether it's talking about pro wrestling, whether it's dealing with people who call me in the business to ask for advice. It's always wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. So it's very easy to get burnt out. You know, that B word that Jericho talked about on the Broken Skull sessions, you know, that that Vince doesn't believe in. Burnout is real. So when, I ha- when I'm forced to sit down for three hours and pay attention to a show that's not entertaining me, that's fucking brutal. It's rough. And, and that's it's rough. I, I, it, it's rough. So now, tonight, what do I do? All right, now I got to plop myself down. I still got that hangover from Raw. What do I do? Like, I loved WrestleMania. So many things I loved about WrestleMania. And tomorrow on The Bump, I'm excited to talk about WrestleMania and how much I enjoyed the show. Last night, I did not love Raw. I can pick out, yes, I love the Charlotte stuff. Yes, it was great to see the uh, the Viking Raiders back. I thought the three-way at the end of the night was good because I respect all those talents. I loved Alexa Bliss. Everything else? Sorry. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. Busted Open is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Ed Robinson. The associate producer is Gabby Laspisa. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for Sirius XM. 
Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, the legendary Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today.